0: What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 178 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman, and I'm joined by Matt Deitch. Matt, how are you? I'm doing really good. Doing good. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, Last week, I let you guys know that uh, I had placed an order up at Dakota Angler uh, with our new promo code that'll get you 10% off. Uh, that code is dirtbag, all in lowercase letters, I believe. Uh, you know, I had said that I had placed an order, uh, an hour and a half later, I had a I had a confirmation and, uh, a tracking number the next day. I had that sitting on my, uh, sitting on my steps when I came home from work, uh, got a couple paddle tails, uh, some pulsars, uh, got some
1: pulsars, pulsars
0: right. uh, got a bunch of eighth ounce jig heads and, uh. I've um, been donating a pile of them <laughs> to the bottom of the Rock River. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, Dakota Angler, uh, I, I, I don't know. i I got to tell you, they're, they're just as fast as Amazon.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, to get it there the next day, it's it's pretty impressive. Yep.
0: Uh, with all this hot weather that's going on, uh, I think uh, the, the smartest place to go would be Dakota Angler. Uh, if you're the type of guy that doesn't like to wear sunscreen and you want uh, some of this, what is it, S- SPF?
1: Yeah, UPF, SPF. U- yep.
0: yep. Uh, protection uh, with the long sleeve, uh, the lightweight material. Uh, I know Dakota Angler's got their uh, their own shirts yep, that are branded Dakota Angler. Um
1: couple of the other brands i think they have some blackfish stuff some striker yep. stuff yep you know some different things like that uh to get you covered i mean it's nothing to mess around with uh, you got to protect yourself from the sun nobody wants to be battling any any of that stuff so uh, make sure that you're you know you can order it online use that discount code uh, get yourself some sun shirts uh, hats good hats are always good some, some buffs are always a good idea too to help you know, cover up that neck area, get those ears. That's what I like about the the hooded yep, sun shirt.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Me and you got some new uh, new Dakota Angler uh, swag. We got yeah, a couple they, hats, the Richardson's, which are the best hat. Uh, I, I believe.
1: I believe. I would agree with you 100 percent on that. I
0: think you got to have the Richardson's, or you got to have the uh, the legacy old trucker hats. Yeah. That's that's the one that I've got on right here right now. But uh, that's my work hat. But, uh, between those two hats, uh, uh, if you, if you are not running those two hats, you can probably just throw the rest away. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's
1: exactly a, right.
0: That's a public service announcement brought to you by the Midwest Angler podcast. But, uh, nope. Uh, check out those guys over there at Dakota Angler. I believe it's www.dakotaangler.com. Uh, fill up a shopping cart and, uh, uh, yeah, use that code dirtbag, Matt, uh, you you know we we were just talking about this spf uh, clothing and and you know the the bigger hats the the hooded uh uh lightweight uh, shirts you know i i feel like fishing is one of the very few places that uh you know a little bit more of the safety stuff actually isn't you know it's actually almost considered cool right you yeah, know i mean yeah, some, you know there is. there's a lot of different things where uh you know some of the safety stuff you know bah you know i ain't doing that and you know I, I guess it's still probably a lot that way like with life jackets and whatnot you know i know that there is a push to uh to have life jackets on at all times when you're when you're in your boat and whatnot and uh i i don't know about that uh that's probably not something i would personally want i'm not against it i'm against it being mandatory but uh you know by all means you want to wear a life jacket knock yourself out yeah. but uh um you know the 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 sun hoodies and you know the lightweight stuff uh you know the wide brim hats like i i don't i i i do kind of feel like it's almost a cool thing to do
1: do you get what i mean no i get exactly what you mean what you mean by it i mean these companies have come out and i mean they make really nice quality uh, shirts clothing accessories like that that you know I think a lot of people think when they think safety equipment a lot of people just, you know, just kind of cheaply put something together and it's not very comfortable, it doesn't look very good. Uh, like all these companies now are coming out with all these different shirts, gloves, buffs, like I said hats. And not only are they they are they stylish. I mean, they come in a variety of different colors and yep. everything like that. But they are comfortable. I they are, mean, they're super they comfortable. They will make your day yep. more enjoyable I mean, by mean, A lot it. of people I get a lot of looks a lot of times when you have a long sleeve hooded shirt on when it's 90 plus degrees out. But these companies now have all this technology that, I mean, not only does it have the sun protection in it, but it also has like cooling and wicking, you know, the moisture away from your body technologies and it into it that uh, it keeps you dry and cool and everything all day long and protected, but from the sun at all at all times and let's be honest i mean skin cancer is something that's very serious and i mean needs to be taken serious so there's really not an excuse not to protect yourself anymore
0: yeah and i do think it's kind of a trickle down deal you know i mean the pros are doing it you know the biggest names in the fishing industry are are wearing these uh you know these long sleeve spf shirts and and uh you know the wide brim hats you know for some people uh, you know the neck gaiters uh you know, I I think everyone is realizing how powerful that sun is, yeah. and and not just uh, not just um, uh, you know the long term deals like with skin cancer and whatnot, but uh, I mean just how much the sun can take out of you. Oh. You know, if if you go on a fishing trip and you spend three days in a row out in the hot sun fishing, yeah. and you're not properly protected, I mean you halfway through day two and it's like son of a gun like i you know i am beat down i mean you you look at these guys that are fishing these four-day fishing tournaments or three-day fishing tournaments out in the hot heat you know they're they're getting blasted by water they're getting blasted by wind they're getting blasted by the sun and uh you know i mean by by the end of a three four-day tournament even a two-day tournament I mean, these guys are beat down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they are beat, beat down. Well, so, like
1: you said, not only not only tournaments, just going on a fishing trip and day in yep. and then day out being out there. So, yep.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of good technology involved in it now. And, and, and like you said, the styles are there. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's trendy to be wearing that stuff. So, that, that is a cool thing. I, I'm, you know, uh, yeah, you can protect yourself and not look like a, you know, not look like a, a traffic uh, cone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. So, all right, guys. Uh, with that being said, uh, we've got uh, a pretty cool episode on today. Uh, um, we've got our buddy Jim Gerard. We've known Jim uh, for for a number of years. Uh, um, actually, the first year that I ever traveled out to Hooked on Hard Water with my wife Kayla. Uh, we actually sat at a table with uh, Jim Gerard and Scott Mockentune, so you can about imagine how much fun that was. Um, you I'm know,
1: surprised you guys ever went back.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> we we didn't want to. We didn't want to because we were like, "Who the hell are these guys?" But uh, no, Jim Jim and Scott, uh, you know, treated me and my wife absolutely awesome. And uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I've I've known Jim ever since. I bought a couple rods from him, and so. Uh, um, that's really what we wanted to wanted to do today was get Jim on and uh um, you know talk about the rod building and and uh to drum up a little interest in this episode I posted a uh, uh, posted an article that Jim had uh wrote about how not to get beat up at a boat ramp and uh um, I think a lot of people took it as he's going to go out there with boxing gloves
1: and beat a lot of people up at boat ramp.
0: I don't know if you've ever seen Jim with a set of (laughs) boxing gloves, but uh, I don't think you want to be on the business end of that dude. But, uh, no, Jim's a, Jim's a laid back dude. He is. And, uh, um, you know, it it probably, it probably, uh, was not meant to have quite as much venom uh, (laughs) in it as, as what, uh, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, if you're the type of dude that does not know Jim, uh, you know, and, and you read some of the stuff that he said, I I get it. I get it. I understand where you would have possibly thought that you're not wrong for that, but uh, uh, maybe we're going to kind of clear the Hopefully air a little, little
1: bit and light on the, yep, you know,
0: maybe, maybe Jim will talk about uh, him and his bunch of goons, you know, him and him and Magnuson and, and bunch of those guys just, you know, walking around with baseball bats at the boat ramps, just <laughs> ready to fricking clock some people. And <laughs> maybe that's what they do for fun up there. You know, it's, That's a different world up in South Dakota. It sure is. So, uh, yeah, without uh, further ado, we're going to jump over to Jim. And our guest today on episode 178 is the bully of the boat ramp, Jim (laughs) Gerard. Jim, how are
2: you? I'm doing great, guys. I really appreciate being on. I've been a a longtime listener to the show. I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say I've heard every episode except for maybe the last two. I'm just a couple behind.
0: You're kind yeah. of one of those guys that lets yourself get like five episodes behind, and then you binge on them, aren't
2: you? I am one of those guys. Yeah when i when I do any traveling, uh, you're my you're my first podcast.
0: Well, we apologize. <laughs> Hopefully, a short <laughs> trip. Hopefully, it's no long trip where you might fall asleep. Whenever Jim goes <laughs> right. on vacation, he just seems pissed off. You're right. <laughs> All right, Jim. Well, you know how it goes. Uh, we're going to start off with a couple of random questions here. So uh, I want to know uh, if you could go and see anybody in concert tonight, who would you go see?
2: Oh, boy, I wasn't ready for that one. Um, I'm not a big concert fan. My wife is, so I, I'd have to take her, and Kenny Chesney is her guy, so... um i'd have to say probably a kenny chesney concert okay there
1: you go what do they call kenny chesney what's his nickname cheat
0: on steroids (laughs) i i i I think i have been i think i have been to a kenny chesney concert and that dude just bounces around up there like he i don't know he he, he's uh, on something yeah cheat on cocaine cheat on cocaine my bad but he just yeah he's all over he's got some energy
2: my wife loves loves bald guys with a lot of energy you know so uh, kenny and i have that in common um, we also we also have that uh, agreement if she ever has a chance i'm okay with it so she's got the huge huge kenny chesney fan yeah
1: oh what's your path then
2: <laughs> gosh i don't even know <laughs>
1: well i would i would talk
2: that over you know, there's say, always that probably, chance you're right
1: yeah i, I probably better <laughs> All right, mine is going to have to be, uh, what was
2: the last movie that you saw? The last movie I saw was uh, Maverick, the uh, Top Gun sequel. It's freaking awesome, ain't it? It's pretty good. I was happy to see that one in the theater. The special effects were, were great. Uh, well worth the price of admission. Uh, I'd, I'd Even maybe go watch it again. Nice.
1: I thought I saw today something that like there might be another Days of Thunder. Like a remake of Days of Shut Thunder. So. With sprint oh, cars God. this
2: time. With cars. <laughs> Look out, Magnuson. Yeah, Magnuson's <laughs> starring <laughs> in it.
1: There's a little stirring in <laughs> hey, yeah. He's going to be the rowdy. Yep.
0: <laughs> All right, Jim, uh, let, let's uh, start talking about you here. Uh, where exactly
2: are you from? Uh, I'm kind of from Eastern South Dakota. Uh, mostly grew up in, in Madison. Uh, we bounced around a little bit. But uh, my entire life, I've lived on the east, the, the flat side of South Dakota. Okay.
0: And and that's still where you reside now?
2: Yeah. I currently live in, in DeSmit, which is uh, near Lake Thompson. I'm about an hour south of Bitter and Wabe. I'm in that area. Uh, but I'm moving to Brookings in about eight days. Oh, wow.
0: Oh, all right. Uh, DeSmit, that's that's Laura Engels Wilder?
2: Yep. Yep, that's where uh, Laura uh, wrote several of her books about this area, and Ma and Pa are actually in our cemetery here. So if you're no ever kidding. around and need need something to do with the kids, we have a really cool uh, homestead where they, the original quarter of land that, that the Ingalls homesteaded on is set into kind of a interactive, uh, almost like an outdoor museum for kids to see.
1: Yeah, Scott, Scott's memory isn't good. He doesn't remember going there in third grade. I did. I, was I did. Say, do you remember and that? I'm pretty sure say, I
0: paid like $5 for a little piece of paper that had a had a twig on it that, that was one of the original trees that Paw planted. Like, <laughs> I mean, I really thought I was holding on to something special there.
1: <laughs> no wonder yeah, there's no I trees those left Those are still there. for sale.
0: Yeah, they, they suckered a third grader into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, uh, Jim, did you, uh, did you grow up fishing then there in Eastern South Dakota, or is that something that kind of came later in life?
2: No, I, I don't really remember when I started fishing. Uh, everyone in my family, uh, fishes my, my great grandpa, my grandpa, my dad, uh, it's just been a ongoing family tradition. I, I joke that I, I sort of grew up on the Missouri river, um, my dad, who's who's retired and is actually a, currently a fishing guide, uh, was hard to get along with. Uh, he couldn't keep fishing partners for tournaments, so he would drag me along like as a seventh grader, <laughs> and we were fishing a, a dozen tournaments a year because everybody else would get mad and and uh, not want to go out with him. and I just kind of had to take it, but uh, I loved it. Of course, I went through those teenage years where fishing wasn't my primary interest, but wasn't too long, uh, into college that I, I took it up again. So
0: now your dad, do they call him like Mr. Walleye or something like that?
2: He's Fishman. Fishman. Fishman.
0: How yeah. How did that name come about?
2: Uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure how that came about, but, uh, kind of a funny story is, uh, he, uh, fished on the next bite with, with Keith Gavias, and they, they asked him like, three times how to spell his last name. And then they put him on the show as Greg Fishman. So <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that was the caption in that episode is when they showed what his name was. So. Nice.
0: Now, now you, uh, you do a lot of fishing now, but you uh, mainly do most of it up in the Glacial Lakes uh, region of South Dakota, right? You don't get out to the Missouri River as much?
2: Uh, not as much as I used to. Uh, Biden Gas makes that a little little problematic these days uh, so, sure. but uh, uh i i love to fish these lakes and uh, there's so much variety here um the, the river is fun and i've spent a lot of time there but fishing fishing the lakes you just never know what you're going to catch um and there's a lot of different techniques to employ that that are more challenging to do on the river so i like to uh shallow water cast uh, i like to pull cranks of course I like the rig live bait um a little bit of variety slip bobber fishing for crappies is a blast all of those things there's so many species here uh, even saw a guy once caught a bass and <laughs> and uh so that's really a good time too
0: couldn't wipe the smile off that guy's face <laughs> no. huh,
1: you guys you guys probably sat there in awe and wondered how how did he handle like that that fight of that fish fought I mean, back. it jumped <laughs> did you see that you guys it jumped
0: he knew he had a fish on right away. Yeah. He didn't have to question whether it was a snag or not. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. So are you one of these guys that, uh, likes to find these little black backwater sloughy areas and go fishing there? Or you, you mainly spend your time on the big lakes up there?
2: Well, I was until I bought a fiberglass boat and now I don't like to go down gravel roads and launch off road ditches, but I, I have fished a lot of those. Uh, it's a little more challenging now with the non meandered water yeah, laws. Right. Um, but I had, I had a 17 foot, uh, Lund boat that you could probably launch in a thimble of water. And I've been in those places where you had to launch the boat and walk it out in waders and then hop in the boat. And, and, uh, th- those days are a little, a little harder now than they used to be, uh, with the way the laws have changed. But, um, there is so much good fishing in this area and on public water that you don't really have to go do that anymore. I don't think anyway, um, plenty of good fishing on places that have a boat ramp and a, and a dock. So yep. that's what we do mostly. Now, Jim, uh,
0: you, you spent a long time, uh, custom building fishing rods. Um, tell us how you kind of got into that.
2: Well, um, I, I'm an engineer, and I I like to do, I just like to build things and figure things out. I'd always had an interest in building fishing rods. I've painted jigs, I've tied spinners, I've even injected uh, soft plastic baits, um, I've brewed beer, I've done some electronic stuff, I have a 3D printer, I mean, I'm just into like, oh, we know about yeah.
0: that 3D I printer. Say, I know you we have know a 3D printer. printer
2: so. <laughs> so so, building fishing rods was was sort of, sort of natural to me. So I probably better take a step back. I live in a town of 1,100 people. Uh, we don't have a bowling alley. We don't have a movie theater. There's really, basically everything shuts off about, you know, 7 p.m. So uh, to keep myself entertained, I like to just figure things out. And building fishing rods has been in the back of my mind my entire life, but uh, how it got started, I was at a a Ducks Unlimited banquet, and I met for the very first time uh, Andy and Tanya Stromsness. Uh, My wife and I were working a a raffle selling um, some, like, breast cancer awareness-type raffle tickets for uh, breast cancer awareness and andy is really drawn to things that are pink and he he sauntered up uh to buy a bunch of raffle tickets and we just started chit chatting and come to find out he had donated a fishing rod he had built to that event and so i'm like hey i've always wanted to do that and so over a few drinks he basically explained to me the whole process and i After that weekend, I kind of filed it in in the back of my mind and uh, wanted to do it, but I didn't ever really bite the bullet. So uh, I don't know if you guys remember the H1N1 or the swine flu. Well, you're from Iowa. You probably do. Um, (laughs) My wife brought that home from school. Uh, She's a middle school teacher, and we both got incredibly sick with the H1N1 virus, and I was out of commission for probably a week to 10 days from work with nothing to do but internet. So like in a, almost like a flu drug induced coma, I ordered my very first rod building kit from a company called Mudhole, And that showed up. And before I uh, was fully recovered, I'd actually built my very first uh, ice fishing rod. And uh, so that's, that's how I got started. And it's one of those hobbies where it's like, okay, so you build one and then you build another one and then you build one for a buddy. And then I've got 10 and he's got 20 and, and it just like, you just keep going. So, um, things really grew from there. I, I really enjoyed it. I still do. Um, it's, it's like, uh, uh, my artistic release, so to speak, I live in a world, uh, in engineering where everything is, is by the book and numbers and, straight lines and, and rod building is sort of my, my escape from that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Now, now, so when did you and Andy kind of come together then and and collab to make uh, Glacial Lakes Outdoors? Uh,
2: Probably about two years later when our wives told us, uh, you guys got to do something with all these damn fishing rods. (laughs) And so we, we, uh, we sat around Andy's kitchen table. I, I can remember it quite vividly Uh, we didn't have a name for our business we were going to name all of our rods after species of ducks we were really idiots and (laughs) uh um, not thankfully none of those things happened but uh we just thought we'd hatch a plan thought maybe we'd sell a couple dozen rods and and uh it really took off there there were not a lot of custom rod builders at that time uh tuned up was fairly new Uh, jt didn't exist um and a lot of the others that that everybody knows today uh, weren't around yet so we uh we were able to grow fairly quickly and and had some pretty good success nice yeah i'd say so now uh you
0: know early on like that you guys start making custom fishing rods and you know everybody's used to just going into the bait shop going into uh, you know, wherever they buy their their fishing equipment, and and spending forty, fifty dollars on a combo, how did you how did you market that? I mean, did you just go to the first one and the first show and like tell them like, hey guys, we can uh, make it whatever color you want and put your name on it, and people just ate it up, or, or what? I mean, what what was the selling point that set you guys apart from the, these mass produce rods?
2: Well, I'll start off by saying we did not know what the heck we were doing, so we built. <laughs> about 30 or 40 rods and went to the Ice Institute, um, probably about Ice Institute year three or four. Uh, It was one of the first years it was at the Baptist Church on the south side of Sioux Falls. And and, uh, we pert near sold out and we left with a stack of orders that we just couldn't believe. Um, I I can't even explain uh, how surprised we were at how interested people were in, in what we had to sell and, and what we were doing at that time was was pretty unique to to custom rods um ours were truly custom except for the 30 that were sitting in the rack we had so we took a lot of orders people wanted a specific length um handle shape style uh, split grip uh, there's just so many things you can you can fine tune and and we were just doing ice rods very few long rods and honestly i to this day andy and i still probably can't explain you know what drew people to us other than our charming personalities that's what i was was gonna say say.
1: i mean (laughs) i think it was i think a lot of guys like you said you could kind of design it yourself or kind of tell you guys what they wanted and You know you guys could get that vision and create it for them and you know for a person to have a rod that's truly a custom rod it's it's something kind of special to each person that gets one it
2: is yeah
0: now obviously you know the first people that were coming in you know to that ice institute were saying you know i want an ultralight rod and i want it to be you know 26 inches and and this and that and whatever uh I mean, did, did, were you guys buying these blanks someplace else or or how, how did, how exactly does that whole entire process start?
2: So when we started, when we started building, we were just buying blanks. There were probably three places in the U S you could buy ice rod blanks at that time. And it didn't take us very long to figure out that nothing really was quite what we wanted or, or was unique enough. So, um, again i'm i'm the engineer and the looks and andy was more like the accountant in this operation but um i i chucked a blank into my cordless drill and i laid a piece of sandpaper on the table and i just started to shape the blank and i just checked the action until i got it how i wanted it and then what we ended up doing is is getting about a half dozen blanks that we really liked And then we sent them off for a manufacturer to, to mass produce. So we were buying, you know, quantities of, oh, about 200 or 250 at a time.
0: Okay. Now, now you talked about checking the action there. And, uh, before we, before we gave you a call when me and Matt were uh, talking over some of the stuff that, that we wanted to ask you, that, that was one of my questions, you know, checking the action, uh, is there a is there an industry standard for action, or or does each uh, rod builder kind of like, eh, that looks like a medium light? Like, uh, you know what, what exactly? Uh, I, I guess how do you? What's the judgment on that? How how do you decide what it is?
2: So so the medium light would be would be the power. The power. Um, okay. And the, yeah, the yeah, power. Yep. Yeah. The action is the the taper. So how quickly does the blank taper when force is applied to the tip? And where does it load up for the backbone is the action. And um, I'll I'll start with power. Power is relative. So a medium light um, ice fishing rod, actually it's probably easier to explain with a long rod. A, A medium light bass rod is not the same as a medium light uh, redfish rod or a medium light musky rod. So power is really relative to the species or the type of fishing you're doing. Okay. So a medium light, in South Dakota, a medium light uh, uh, ice rod would be probably a walleye perch type rod. A medium or medium heavy would be, you know, a, a big walleye. Uh, pike or maybe even a, 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 a bass rod and because uh, uh, you need a little bit more backbone um, that stutter was on purpose guy. Just <laughs> That it. was um, a
0: struggle for you I yeah. bet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then a light power would be something you'd use to you know finesse a, a bluegill or something of that nature. So so power is really relative to the species. There is absolutely no industry standard. Uh, and people can really label what they want um action is a is a little bit more standardized so uh to start with the slowest action would be a would be a moderate and that would bend that would bend just like a like a tree branch would it would bend into just a, a u-shape so to speak uh there would be no defined point of transition into a backbone and a a uh, um, medium fast action, uh, it would bend a lot more at the tip, but then transition into a backbone, you know, about in the middle of the rod or a little bit out from the middle. And then a fast action, probably only like a third of the, of the blank at the end is flexible. And then an extra fast is even, even less than that. So it's, it's how soon that blank goes from, from sensitive tip into hook setting backbone.
1: All right. Okay. And now, now, like different with the different actions like that and stuff. Obviously, they're set up for different techniques, like what you plan on using it for. So, you know, uh, pitching jigs, you're probably going to want the uh, extra fast or the fast tip, correct?
2: I do, yeah. Right. And it's it's just as much preference and your hook set style. Right. Uh, I'm a freaking samurai. I set the hook really hard. Yep. And. So if I'm using an extra fast rod blank, I'll miss a lot of bites. So I, I use a, a medium fast typically. Um, otherwise I'll just jerk the, the, the lure right out of the fish's mouth. Um, and then also different lures, uh, a different action is nice. Uh, I like a little slower if I'm casting crankbaits, I like more of a moderate, Mm -hmm. uh, action. And it gives the gives the the rod a little more time to load up, and and the fish can get that lure in its mouth.
0: Now, now, Jim, I, I think we've all been you know walking down the the aisle at Dakota Angler or, or somewhere, and uh, you get these guys that are sitting there really looking over these rods, and and uh, you know they'll they'll kind of bend them with their hand and whatnot. Do most people really know what the hell they're even looking at, or is it just? Is it just what you're supposed to do when you're kicking the tires on a rod?
2: Well, since I'm not currently selling rods, I'm going to say most people don't. Uh, if I would never tell a customer that, but it is—I've uh, seen enough people look at rods in our booth at, at uh, trade shows that uh, the first thing everybody does with an ice rod is they pretend like they're jigging it with. <laughs> No reel on it, no line, no jig. And then they look at you and they go, ooh. And, <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. And, I'm going to do that from now on whenever I go to a store.
0: Wink I'm, at them too. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to just almost be an universal. Gosh. And, and the, the very first thing I do, uh, because I've, I've uh, dealt with rumblings Blanks for so long. The very first thing I do is I bend that, that thing over at like a 90 degree angle and see exactly where it flexes, and that that's what I look for. Um, obviously, also you know I want a lightweight blank and you know the handle in the right spot and those types of things. But uh, I want to know exactly how that blank uh, flexes because I study that stuff. That is that is something that that to me is is fascinating, and I I want to know where that where that fish is going to get the hook set uh on that blank so that's that's what i do so if you do that at least the rod builder will think you're cooler yeah what I, about, I,
0: i'm taking notes here
1: put, and put <laughs> the tip on the floor and bend the rod that's a classic one too a lot of people like to do that one it is
0: <laughs> and is that is that one of those deals uh as a rod builder where you're kind of about to uh come over the table adam or or is that
2: uh, uh, well, if, if the floor is carpeted, it's not such a big deal. If it's a dirty tile floor, I don't really want them scratching my rod blanks, exactly. uh, on there. Um, wh- what they're doing when they do that is some guys, some guys do this anyway, they're trying to find, to see if the spine is aligned with the guides. Yeah. Rod blanks have what's called a a natural spine and it's part of the manufacturing process. And a lot of rod builders build. Put their guides in line with the spine so that's typically what they're checking they also could be checking where that blank flexes uh that's not a total no-no but if the floor has got sand or grid on it that could cause a failure later and later down the line especially on on a really high dollar um a high modulus rod blank so
0: yeah
1: is it is it hard for you to go and buy one over the counter now or i mean Can you roll with it or is it just something you're just like always looking at since like you said since you study it You kind of got the science of it down and everything like that
2: I I don't currently ever buy rods. I I build everything that I own, right? That's that's
0: a major flex at the boat ramp, you know, kind of like hey guys (laughs) I don't know if you know or not, but i've built every rod in this boat
2: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have to take that back so I, I I've probably about a half dozen rods uh i do a little guiding and i've i've purchased some berkeley cherry woods and some lightning rods for bottom bouncer rods Yep. um those are i can't build a rod for 1999 that somebody's gonna you know slam in a rod locker, or sit on or step on so yep uh, i do i do have those
1: Do you ever just have any old blanks that you bring along and like when somebody makes you mad you just start like whipping it on the side of the boat? (laughs) Mike Iconelli. People like holy bucket, stay away from that dude. No, that's a Lockwood move. I would never (laughs) pull it like that.
2: That's
0: exactly what that is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Snap it across your leg.
0: Now now Jim, uh tell us i know it's very important uh, on on these rods where the guides are on on the rod you know the spacing between the guides and whatnot uh and and i think maybe we are getting into the uh the part where we may be talking about the parabolic bend and uh Ooh. I, I craig oiler at one time said that uh, that you were telling him about the parabolic bend Euler mentioned it on this show and uh, i think ever since uh, whenever me and matt need a little feather in our cap we uh, we throw out that word and and uh, you know kind of baffle a couple people with our smarts so uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna let you tell us exactly what that means
2: well for first off the parabolic bend is a tiktok dance that Euler and i did shut <laughs> okay. up so it has
0: nothing to do with fishing rods for real
2: <laughs> no i'm kidding oh god <laughs> so uh guide spacing I'll, i'll start with long rods so uh guide spacing is is important for for quite a few reasons on a long rod you need to have your guide space guide space properly for casting distance so um i'll use a spinning reel as an example uh when when line comes off of a spinning reel it's spinning in coils that are about two inches in diameter and you've got to funnel that line through the guide train as efficiently as possible to to minimize your air resistance and also the resistance of the line slapping those guides as it goes through the through the guide train. So on a spinning rod, uh, forgive me if I'm mouth breathing. I'm not a Huskers fan. I'm just having a bad allergy <laughs> week. Um, so, and I speak uh, slowly and in long sentences. So, so sometimes I have to gasp for air. I'm I'm okay though. Uh, <laughs> so so casting on a on a spinning rod, uh, guide spacing is really important. Having what's called the choking guide, the proper distance from the reel, and then having every subsequent guide sized properly and spaced properly. The the thing you really want to do is get that two and a half inch coil down to straight as fast as you can because if you can just picture a telephone cord how much air resistance that would have versus just a single strand of line traveling down that down the rod blank if that makes sense
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I'm really waving my arms a lot hoping that helps people understand what I'm saying I think, so they, we, I
0: think they've got it
2: <laughs> so um so that that is paramount on a spinning rod um I use a, a couple of of tricks in that one is called a um, concept guide spacing and, uh, a traditional spinning rod. If you were to go buy a, a 1999 Walmart, Walmart rod, uh, it would be what's called cone of flight. And it would basically be a funnel, the length of the entire rod blank. Well, if you think about those coils going down for seven feet, you have a lot of air resistance because your line's not moving in a straight line. It's actually still, still uncoiling, um, uh, concept guide spacing um uses a a, a trick of, of getting that funnel down really small in a short distance so by the time you're at the second half of the rod blank that line is just traveling straight through those guides which is why you see a lot of newer rods with really small guides on them that is all to reduce uh friction and air resistance as the line travels through the through the blank so' The other thing I like to use is what's called a microwave guide system and it uses uh, a dual ring choking guide. And it's like, it's actually like a little funnel. Uh, the very first guide off the reel has a larger ring and then about an inch away, a smaller ring. And I swear to God that, that guide train, I can outcast wader fishermen that are, I can be on shore and they can be standing in waders and I can outcast them with a quarter ounce jig, uh, it just is so efficient if everything is is put in the right spot uh, to, to cast long distances because it reduces so much of that air resistance. So so casting is is, is number one. Uh, number two is the more guides you have on your blank, the better you'll be able to feel. every Every spot where there's a guide is a point of contact. So you can amplify the amount of feel a rod blank has by putting more guides on it. And then lastly is to protect the blank when it's being being flexed. So not a problem with walleye fishing, but if you accidentally catch a bass and you and you double that rod over, if your guides are say all one foot apart, you could get into a position where your rod blank is going to bend in a spot it's not designed to bend in. So you want to have this the spacing correct so that the the spacing follows the action of the blank, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um, ice rods are a little bit different breed of cat. Um, typically you don't cast an ice rod. Um, and what you really want to do there is protect your blank. So, um, and your line. So if you're fishing with light line, you don't want any sharp angles in your line. So if you bend your ice rod, hold the handle and bend it straight down, because that's basically the only direction it's going to go when you're fighting a fish. Your line should not make any sharp bends, and then there should not be any bows between the guides. Uh, that's a, a potential point of fracture, so you don't want any bows between the guides in the blanket itself.
0: So, so how exactly do you, you know, let us go back to the casting. Uh, okay. I mean, how? I mean, are you just going out and experimenting with, uh, you know, different different spacing between these guides, and it's like. Ooh, that one casted well. Or, I mean, how how are you, how are you coming up with the different spacing? Is is there well, is there mathematically this is where it should go, or or I mean, is it is it trial and error?
2: So it's actually it's a little bit of both. Um, if I'm building a rod for myself or for a customer, I will test cast that blank by by actually taping the guides to the blank and hopefully I have the reel. If I have the reel they're gonna use, I will use that as well. And and just, I'll cast it in the front yard with uh, whatever lure they plan to use on that rod and and watch the line come off the reel and how it travels through the guide train and look for spots where that line may be, the, the coil may be large and slapping. Um, if the If the coil is large and slapping, guides it really slows it down so it's very obvious to see you guys will never cast the same again although you're probably baitcaster guys so that's a whole different deal but um, but when you watch the watching the the line come off a spinning reel and then changing line types from mono to braid or to fluorocarbon is also different so uh, when you get a a real custom rod you know you want to tell the rod builder not, not just I want a walleye rod you want to tell them I want this to cast, you know, quarter-ounce jigs with a swim bait, and I want to use, you know, 10-pound Power Pro, and I'm going to put a, a, you know, Shimano 1500 uh, reel on it and give them as much information as possible Uh, because they want to, your rod builder is going to want to know all of those things so that everything can be put together properly. Now, the easy answer to that question is, most commercially available rod blanks come with a guide spacing chart. And that is a great place to start, especially if you're new. I'm, I'm currently teaching some rod building classes and we're not in the parking lot casting because uh, all the all of these guys are new. And uh, so we're using a guide spacing chart. You can build a great rod with a guide spacing chart, but you can build the best if you actually take the time and put everything where it's supposed to go
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense
0: how many how many guys out there that are building custom rods do you think are actually taking the time to really do that how, how many if, if i would go up to to some of these people and and this isn't a slam at anyone uh but i mean how, how many people if i would go up and say i'm gonna be you know casting a uh, an eighth ounce jig head Uh, with a with a twister tail on it i'm probably going to use eight pound monofilament you know i want a medium light rod for down here uh at the river and you know this is the reel i'm going to have on it i mean do you think a lot of people are going to look at me be like why are you telling me all that like i'm just making you a six foot two you know medium light action rod or or do you think that that's pretty well known like oh okay you know that that'll help me
2: i I know there are a lot of basement rod assemblers around that are not going through that. If you're not spending $300 on that long rod, they're not doing those things for you. Yep. Um, and you know, the, the thing of it is uh, there are people that, that want their custom rod to be six, six, six and blue. And that is a thing. And they want their name on it. That is, that is totally a thing. And that's fine. Um, but there are also people that that really want it the way they want it. And the guy that fishes a lot, the tournament guy that that casts, you know, I have a, a customer I probably built him ten rods, and he he wants them all the same. And we spent a lot of time finding the right blank for what he does. I ended up buying a a three hundred dollar blank and cutting four inches off the back of it, which was painful, but. <laughs> Um, I've built him lots of them and I just have the recipe and he, he, you know, he fishes tournaments, he breaks them. He wants new ones. And, uh, he is, I mean, for him, it's, it's very important It not only does it help him catch more fish, but it's also his level of confidence. And, you know, if you fish something confidently, it seems like you catch more fish.
1: Yep. Now, how important, like in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, I suppose, like, the Grips on these on these rods like the difference between like the you see a lot of guys with split grips now compared to a one-piece like
2: What's what's
1: the reasoning behind all that?
2: so I Don't know where it came from and I honestly thought split grips were a fad uh, I I started uh, doing some because I thought they looked cool. They they lighten the rod up a little bit uh, they also throw the balance of the rod off a little bit because there's not as much weight behind the reel. Um, I I struggled with them at first um, just because I didn't think there was any real reason to do it. Uh, and then it, it dawned on me. Uh, and actually, so uh, this rod building class I'm teaching, we're doing only split gr- split grip rods. And the reason is everybody builds a rod handle length that's comfortable to them. And so uh I had a group of six guys and I had uh some middle school kids and I had some I had a had a dude that's you know six four, two fifty, and he's got you know bananas for fingers and, and his forearms are you know the size of, of my legs and everybody wanted something a little different with how they held the rod when they fought a fish. And so we everybody with a split grip, it's very easy everybody can just put the handle, the real seat, wherever the heck they want it. If you buy an eight inch or a 10 inch real seat, you know, you got to be right and it's going to come in the mail. And then if it's wrong, what do you do? Do you send it back and order another one? So there's a a pretty good reason there. Um, Another thing that's really popular right now are the wind grips. It's like the golf grips Mm -hmm. and people love them. People hate them. Uh, I'm a big fan. I like them. Uh, I like the ones that when they're wet, they stay tacky. Uh, Those, those are really nice. Um, those are nice to have as split grips because the, the rubber on the outside of them is a little heavier. So if they're a split grip, it does, uh, it does take away some of that cap. So uh, the, the short answer to your question is I don't really know how they came about. Uh, I wasn't a fan originally, but I, I do see a purpose for them. Uh, especially if you're new to building and you can really fine tune your rod, uh, if you order split grip parts.
0: Have, have you ever had anybody come up to you or, or reach out to you uh, that that wanted a custom rod and when they told you what they wanted you were just like you know you you want what like really you know that that just didn't make any sense like has is, is there ever been anything just completely wild
2: absolutely um, I know this this odd duck um, from Madison and didn't know him that well and got a text from him and said he wanted wanted a pole pole built and sent me a YouTube video of a bunch of hillbillies fishing crappies in a slough with fourteen foot long poles.
0: <laughs> and
2: I said, What? <laughs> and I started off by telling him no, but he's he's a persistent a uh, persistent guy. And so I ended up building, um, I ended up building. Are you still there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Uh, my earbuds made a funny sound. So, so I ended up building this Turkey, a uh, 14 foot, basically cane pole out of, a, out of a hollow carbon rod blank. And it had a custom made split grip handle. And one guide at the end to tie your hillbilly line on. <laughs> and uh, this guy was just uh, happier in a pig in poop. I, I met up with him uh, when it was done at a, at a gas station here in DeSmet. And he took it to Lake Thompson and I went back to work. And by the time I got off work, he'd caught a limit of crappies with the stupid thing. So um, if anybody uh, in... And Midwest Angler Podcast knows Cane Pole Cody. That's how Cane Pole Cody got his name.
0: That's how the name and, came about, huh? All right.
2: Yeah, I, I built him a fourteen foot long cane pole. So he sent me a photo of crappies lined up nose to tail that were as long as that <laughs> pole. And that's that's the most that's the most unique request I've ever had.
0: I doubt any will yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that is a that is a pretty different request i'm sure that you get sometimes
2: yeah i had one one odd handle request but it's not really worth mentioning
1: <laughs> yeah, right that wasn't i a think request. it is i think it is worth worth mentioning. that wasn't
2: really really a request
1: as so much as like um i don't know what the word i'm looking here for just kind of a a surprise a, a forced upon deal so
0: right (laughs) he sleeps with it every night
1: (laughs) wore the paint off of it so he might get it might get get it back for some repainting some refurb work (laughs) so how long how long does it usually take you start to finish um building a rod
2: uh a spinning rod i I can do a spinning rod like a seven probably total eight, 10 hours, maybe, maybe less, maybe six. Now, but um, you
0: can't just sit down, uh, you, you can't start at 7am and just nail that out in, in eight to 10 hours. There, there's a process there, like you've got to go, uh, you know, days, right? Or, or you know, you got to let things dry yeah. and time in between.
2: Yeah, you do. So uh, you start with your rod blank and, and the first thing you do is, is fit your handle on and uh, so if it, if it's i'll just use cork as an example um, so the cork shows up at your house and it's got a quarter inch hole in it and your rod blank is probably three eighths to depending on the blank three quarters or even an inch in diameter so um, you use a series of tools to ream the cork out to fit the rod blank so i actually have tapered reamers that are basically uh Uh, fiberglass rod that's bigger on one end than the other and it's got sanding grid on it and you use that to shape the inside of the cork so it it fits perfectly on the blank so you don't have any gap uh, between the cork and the blank Uh, once your rear grip is on and if it's a a split grip once your rear grip and your fighting butter on you you build up an arbor so the real seat it's it's metric, but it's probably about five eighths of an inch in diameter on the inside, and your rod blank is probably half of an inch. So you build an arbor around the rod blank so that the reel seat slides snugly onto the uh, onto the onto the arbor, and then you then you fit your foregrip just like you did the, the rear grip. All of those items are put on with rod building epoxy, and rod building epoxy is is a little bit different than than. The stuff you'd buy at the hardware store, it it's uh, designed to to handle the elements, but also it stays just a little bit flexible. Um, it's not really flexible, but it stays a little flexible so that when the rod blank is fully flexed, those items don't don't crack or break free. Um, so all that has to cure for about a day, twelve hours you probably can get by, and then you start putting your guides on. The guides require uh, a little bit of prep so they're they're made in a factory and um, what you've got to do is is make them fit the curvature of the blank and also put a taper on them so that when you wrap the thread on the thread will easily climb up onto the rod guide so i use a dremel tool with a little abrasive wheel most new rod builders will use a uh, just a regular file that you'd get at, at the hardware store and you shape those guides So that they fit the width of the rod blank and they have a nice they have a nice ramp on them so once you get all your rod blank uh or your rod guide feet prepped for the blank uh, then you start to space them and you can put them on with a little bit of masking tape or a little hot melt glue put them in place wrap your thread on and then this is kind of the artistic side of things you can put in inlays or you can do lots of different thread art, uh, to, to put into your, into your rod, your rod wraps, you wrap your thread on, you straighten your guides, and then there's another type of epoxy. It's actually called rod finish. And that is, is a slow curing self leveling two part epoxy. And that's applied to each of the, each of the thread wraps. And then the rods got to rotate for at least 12 hours as that cures. It's, it stays nice and level and smooth and goes around and then you put multiple coats of that on. So, um, it, you know, probably all told minimum of six hours into a rod.
0: Now you're actually doing, I, I know you mentioned it earlier, but you're doing rod building classes. Um, I am. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about that and where you're offering those.
2: Sure. So We've got this, uh, again, town of 1100, and it surprises me uh, some of the great things we have here. We've got a, a sporting goods store called Fields Fishing Game, and they've got boating supplies, of course, bait, uh, fishing tackle, guns, ammo, beer, you name it. Uh, and they're pretty creative people. They moved here from from the Maryland area, and they wanted to have some, some unique offerings more than just Come in and and buy a dozen nightcrawler type of stuff. So we hatched the plan to to offer some rod building classes, and they've got a kind of like a back room that uh, lends itself really well to that. And so this spring uh, at a sports show, we we thought maybe we'd get a few people, uh, a couple people interested. We had about 25 people sign up that were interested, and we've run we've run 12 of them through. Uh, at the fields fishing game uh rod building class so uh it it actually is a ton of fun my original vision for it was um how your wives will go and and paint an ugly painting and go drink wine yeah my 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 thought was people would come and drink beer and build rods but what we found out was the people that drink the most beer built the worst rods (laughs) so (laughs) we we don't really push that direction so much anymore. Uh, it has amazed me how fascinated, uh, the people are that are, that are building and I'm getting texts all the time of fish they've caught on their rods that they built. Now it's super rewarding, uh, to get to show people what I like to do and then they like to do it too. So, um, had several students that have built multiple rods now and, uh, it's pretty cool. Now
0: you're you, you don't have any classes going currently, do you?
2: I don't. Um so we're we're building a house and we're we're getting our current house ready to become a rental, so my free time is a little a little short. Um but we've got uh a group that want to do fly rods, a group that want to do ice rods and lots of people that just want to get into class in general. Yeah, so well, that's cool. We're keeping a we're keeping a list, I I am going to continue teaching uh, at Fields Fishing Game as long as we've still got interest in the area, and then uh, one of our fellow HOH pros, I think I'm going to contact him. Dusty Rodiak is the Parks and Rec manager in Brookings, and maybe see if the, the Outdoor Learning Center would be interested in doing something like that yep, there as yeah. well.
1: Yep. Who knows? Maybe you'll be going house to like door to door, throwing these parties, like Tupperware parties, <laughs> yeah. rod building parties.
2: It's not a terrible idea
0: (laughs) no no no, not crazy (laughs) not crazy um golly i feel like there was one other thing so so these classes that you're doing how many nights how many nights uh is that then like how many uh how how many nights does a guy have to devote to to get a rod start to finish
2: so i had planned it for three two-hour sessions but that isn't isn't quite long enough. enough so what we've been doing is uh, the first class everybody learns the anatomy of their rod blank and determines where they want their reel seat and we we actually take reels off of off of the shelves at fields fishing game and, and put them on so they can get a feel and uh that's session one so they they fit the cork to the blank they put the reel seat on and everything is glued up by the end of the night including their ears, their nose, their, all their fingers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, that'd be my
1: problem. My rod would be glued, <laughs> glued to me like,
2: Oh <laughs> crap. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, night one is the messy night. And then, uh, I call night two, no Cheetos night. So no Cheetos night is the night that we start wrapping thread. So we, we learn how to prep the guide feet and then how to, how to place the guides. And we do, uh, uh, a basic introduction to, to guide spaces. We actually do follow the, the recommended chart for the blanks we use in the yeah. class, uh, which does work well. Uh, we are using concept guide spaces. We so will walk out of there with a, a very nice spinning rod. And then uh, they learn to wrap the, the thread around the guides. And then uh, because I learned that that's not enough time, I send the wrappers and the rods home with the students. And then they will finish putting the guides on at home. And then the last night of the class, uh, they come back and we we learn about um, aligning the guides, putting on the hook keeper. Uh, we talk a little bit about decorative like trim bands and those types of things. And if they want those, they'll put those on. And then we apply that first coat of epoxy. And we have had people driving over a hundred miles to come do this. So what I've been doing is, I'll finish the last couple coats of epoxy for them, and then we've been just meeting up and and uh, getting the rods delivered. So,
0: yep. Huh. Yeah. I no, mean, that... it
1: is something that has become a lot more popular in the last few years. You know, people wanting to build their own stuff, and you know, about the only place that you can really learn about any of it is YouTube. So for you to offer classes is, I mean, that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, I would love to yeah. do it. I I really really wish that that uh, um, you at some point in time you'd be able to offer something a little bit closer. Or I don't know. I'm going to have to make the drive.
2: Well, so I've already got this plan, Scott. You'd asked me to build build a rod for your collection, which I am totally going to do. Yep. But I want you to build your own for your collection as well. So uh, my plan is uh, when I get relocated to Brookings and. And maybe we don't have ice just yet. Yep. Uh, you guys come up and and we'll do a, a rod building class uh, in the shop in my rod room. And you can build your own uh, ice rod for your collection as well.
0: That'd be awesome. awesome.
2: That would be way awesome.
0: Nope. Uh, and so so back, back uh, you know, I guess we should kind of back up here because I did want to cover this uh, with the whole uh, Glacial Lakes deal. Uh, with, with you and andy stromsness um you, you guys are no longer uh, uh doing that and, and selling rods for that um do you do any uh do you do you sell any rods anymore or, or or just open rods or is that all kind of kind of done with now just busier in life
2: i i do sell a very just very few um i kept my my tax license so that i i can sell a few yep. um I, I don't do very many just because I've been been fairly busy here lately. Um, it's always one of those things like I feel like I should get into it a little bit more and then, you know, things interfere in life. Uh, Andy uh, moved to San Antonio and the ice rod market is just no good down there. Which is uh, crazy. He's not a very good salesman. Yeah, that's, that's that's what, the he needs sales. me down there. That's right. <laughs> that could be the problem yeah uh so we we decided to to uh no longer do glacial lakes outdoors when he moved out of the area um but what we did do is is we wanted our our legacy so to speak to continue and we started working with cold snap and uh Dan has been having rods manufactured with our with our blank designs yep yeah.
0: Nope. And, and yeah, that, is, like you say, you know, that is a good way to, uh, to keep that living on because, uh, you know, you, you guys had made a name for yourselves, you know, the, the, was it Perch King or King Perch? King Perch. King Perch. I mean, you know, that what, what, what awards did that all win? You won a ton of awards with that blank, didn't you?
2: Well, actually we, we won, uh, the recycled fish was doing, uh, doing some rod building contests. And so uh, it was actually not so much the blank, but the um, custom rod designs that that won. Um, but the king perch blank is, in my opinion, and in the opinion of of many, uh, one of the most versatile Midwest ice rod blanks around. Definitely is. what uh what what rod
0: was that? That one that recycled fish uh, custom rod?
2: Uh, several of them uh, w- which blank in particular
0: well like I mean was there a particular design that that one or I so mean, the, what's one it?
2: That, the one that that probably uh, got the most attention was we partnered up with a taxidermist and had a perch handle painted yep onto onto the cork uh, that one uh, that one won that year's contest and and we we got a lot of attention on that. That's probably what, what launched us. Andy, Andy was, uh, Andy and his wife, I have to give Tanya a lot of credit as well are very artistic people and very creative. And I always, I always gave Andy shit. I'm like, I'm an engineer. You can't have me build a ship in a bottle in an ice rod handle. I said, we have to be able to sort of replicate this stuff because more people are going to want them when you come out with it. And, uh, we we had really good success with that perch handle. Um, people absolutely love that.
0: How many and, of those did you well, make?
2: I would venture to say probably fifty to seventy-five of them. Okay.
0: Did what? What, yeah. what was that taxidermist like when you showed up and was like, "Hey, hear me out here, but we 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 want you to paint these like they're a perch."
2: Well, so he was pretty receptive to it. best taxidermist around. It, it was a uh, top-notch taxidermy in, oh, yeah. in Brookings. Yep. yep. And that talk about winning contests, that guy, uh, his, his scale tipping techniques are just off the chart and he, he doesn't do anything, you know, half-assed. Every scale is touched by his paintbrush, uh, on every one of those handles and every fish that that guy mounts. And, and, uh, his lead time is long. And I'm not going to say that painting perch on the little tiny ice rod handles is his passion, but he really did a bang-up job, and, and we really enjoyed working with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. you bet. You bet. Uh, I don't know, Matt. You got anything else to talk about there with uh, fishing rods or we are moving right. along to boat ramp
1: etiquette. <laughs> well, I'm good with whatever you want to. All right, well, move on. Let me to... Throw one
2: more one more shout out to rod building. If anybody is an aspiring rod builder and they're in my area and want to come to a class, be sure to let me know. Uh, or if you just have questions about rod building in general, I always like to talk talk shop, so to speak. And anybody can message me on the on the social media. So
0: okay. And that's and and they can follow Fields Fish and Game, right? And that they should uh, have a deal on there that'll that'll notify them when a class is coming up.
2: Yeah, Fields Fish and Game will advertise it, and then uh, they push a lot of that stuff out to to the area Facebook pages as well to open water fishing and ice fishing, South Dakota, so to speak. All those
0: good. Yeah. Yep. All right, Jim, uh, let, let's talk boat ramp etiquette coming off 4th uh, of July coming off an article uh, penned by you. Uh, how, how long have you been writing fishing stuff?
2: Um, so I did a, about a four year stint with a, with a magazine and, um, I, I, uh, got involved in our, our local newspaper, uh, the Kingsbury journal, which is a, a countywide paper. And, um, have been contributing a little bit and uh I pulled up uh, one from the archives I'd written for for the Outdoorsman magazine uh I don't know about 3 or 4 years ago and um it's called how not to get your butt kicked at the boat ramp yep and it got a lot of attention <laughs> i would say i would yeah. say
0: is and and not
2: all good attention uh you know, I got a lot of really good attention. And then, uh, there were a handful of people that, that only read, you know, a phrase or two and really keyed in on it. And, um, I guess got their feeling, feelings hurt by that or, or felt offended. And, uh, anybody that knows me, uh, Knows that I am probably uh, one of the most laid-back guys you'll ever meet. Yep. Um, and and the article, but I'm also a smartass. So the article was was purely satire and sarcasm. Yep. Uh, yeah. I am not a real fisherman. I do <laughs> not own the boat ramp. Uh, those those statements were were sarcastic, but they they uh, certainly got a lot of attention. And that was the the full intent. In fact, just before. Uh, just before this phone call, I, I actually got a, a text from a friend of mine that said, I was so nervous launching my boat for the first time on the 4th of July after <laughs> reading your article, I almost went to a smaller lake first. <laughs> and he, uh, he he said, but if you'd have written that in a softer manner, no one would have read it. Exactly yep. right. Yep. So to to his point, and he's a great guy, he knows how to operate a boat. Um, and it was purely in jest that he sent that to me, but, um, that's a very true statement. If I'd have, if I'd have listed 10 things not to do at a boat ramp, nobody would have read it. Nope. And the whole purpose was awareness. We've all been in those situations where, where somebody is, is dilly dallying at the dock and there's 10 boats waiting, waiting to launch. So, um. It was truly a public service announcement. It was all meant to be fun. And uh, the hate messages can stop anytime now, guys. Um, but, we're we're uh, going to get T-shirts made up.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Jim t-shirt. Gerard fishing. I'm a real yeah. fisherman. I own the ram.
0: With brass knuckles. <laughs> Dang right. You know, I like it. Don't you dare jackknife that boat trailer in front of me.
2: <laughs> no, yeah. you
0: know, and, and that's great. You know, me and Matt were, were talking about it. Uh, you know, I i posted it on the Midwest Angler Podcast Facebook page and, and you know, going into Fourth of July and whatever. And then me and Matt, uh, were talking about it. And, you know, we know you. We know that, that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. You are a real fisherman. I, I mean, you, you truly are. And, uh, you know, a, a, an experienced guy. But, but you are a laid back dude. You know, you're, you're, Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm sure you can get pretty pissed off waiting at a boat ramp for, (laughs) for somebody that, you know, hasn't, hasn't, uh, you know, put their drain plug in and, oh, you know what the best time to, to get the life jackets out of the backseat are right Right now now. while it's our turn, you know, I mean, we've all been there and we've all been pissed off, but, uh, you know, I, I read that article with a smile on my face and I think anyone that knows you did the same. And, uh, you know, there, there were a couple sentences that came off pretty strong, you know, no doubt about it, but, but like you say, you know, I mean, I think, I think you kind of had to have that salt and pepper on the, on the article to, you know, to get people's attention and, and, and apparently it worked.
2: It did. It definitely did. And, and, uh, I don't want to address anybody uh, in particular that has messaged me or, or commented. Actually, the numbers are very few of people that that were that voiced that they were upset about it. It is very few, but um, I do promote our area, and out-of-state fishermen are what pays the bills in South Dakota. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we wouldn't have the great fishing we we do if it wasn't for out-of-state people coming and buying fishing licenses, and we appreciate them very much. Uh, we'd love for you to move here, as a matter of fact, but if you're going to just come and fish, that's fine, too.
0: But keep hmm. double your limit, right? Uh, well, <laughs> I made that drive but, all the way, yeah. so come
1: on. But the price
0: of gas, I can't go on
1: two trips gotta, this year. Got to catch my dog's limit, too. <laughs> right. No. No, no. It's, it. that goes for every state. You know, everybody always wants to you know think that everybody's against non-residents and stuff like that but everybody's you know we need each other so
0: right the the boat ramp, you know owning the boat ramp statement you know i think i think that that could have been interpreted by somebody you know to to mean that but i i know that uh um you know that that's not what you meant by it. it it was it was meant to be you know uh uh an article that uh was attention grabbing but you know pretty pretty lighthearted, you know and if fun all these, at the same time if
1: all these young u- youtubers can have their you know shocking titles to yeah their that videos was a clickbait title yeah, a click jim gerard title.
0: invented the clickbait <laughs> on uh, on on actual like reading articles you know right scott mockington needs to needs to take a page out of the, the jim gerard playbook like yeah you know, that,
2: get, get, some, get some catchy titles I did get a compliment from scientist Scott. Uh, you did, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, because he's a very he's very well written, and I've read a lot of of articles he's done. So I did uh, did appreciate his his text about my strong opening. And uh, if I know Big Mac, he he took the article the way it was intended. <laughs> right, yeah.
0: No, yeah, he he'll he'll pick apart an article. You must have had good uh, good, good punctuation and good grammar. Like that. Uh,
1: a good proofreader.
0: Yeah, I know about ten minutes ago I said me and Matt and and whenever I say that, uh, after after the uh the podcast episodes drop, sometimes I'll get a message from uh from the uh, Metro Mock you know, about how, well, it's actually, it's uh, Matt and I and, and he'll, he'll kind of run down and, and let me know what I all screwed up on, but uh, that's what we appreciate about fact checker.
2: Him. <laughs> Yeah, That's right. Yeah. I have to give a shout out to my wife. She's a, a middle school reading and language arts teacher. And that is the level at which I write. So she does help me as well.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good that. to have one of those built in, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, Euler had us write those articles or, or I shouldn't say articles, but stories, uh, for the 10th hooked on hard water. Well, my neighbor, Jeremy K's wife is actually uh, a middle school, uh, Uh, English teacher so I actually sent that article off to her and said hey just just make sure I don't look like an idiot here she said there's no helping you Scott I believe it I believe it Uh, so
2: she rewrote it all and yeah yeah. basically basically yeah you know (laughs)
0: sign my name at the bottom that's all it takes now Jim before we let you go have you ever had an absolute crazy experience at a boat ramp have you ever have you ever witnessed somebody getting beat up have you have you ever witnessed somebody uh, maybe uh, not putting her in park and accidentally putting her in neutral and backing all the way in?
2: Any, anything crazy? I, I could I could actually fill an entire episode with those, but but there's one in particular um, for for anybody in the area they've heard of of Dry Lake Number Two, yeah, uh, which was an absolute hot spot for for several years. Uh, my wife and I were in a line there that was no less than an hour long. Uh, behind a brand-spanking new, I believe it was a, an Alumacraft, uh, still had paper plates on it, still had the Cabela's price sticker on it. And the boat ramp there, for anybody who hasn't been there, was a little janky to say to say the least. The concrete pads were were all uneven. You had to back around a corner and down a hill. I mean, it was just, there was nothing good about it. So we were following this boat, you know. uh, We could afford gas back then. It was only about $2 a gallon. And we just were in line moving bit by bit by bit. So this boat, all the guys get out except for one. They get all their stuff in. And they start backing down this, this really rough ramp and they had unhooked the the straps and it was a roller trailer a brand new boat never been in the water and so it fell off the trailer and so we winched it back on to the trailer and i said well that you know that stinks and i looked at the back of the boat and i'm like whoa and uh they backed it in just so i get. I get back in in our truck, and my wife and I are are just sitting there, and she goes, aren't you going to go? I said, just wait. The emergency bilge pumps comes on, and that guy driving the truck is gone. He's parking half mile away because the the parking lot was so full. So I'm like, their emergency bilge pump is on. So I get out of the truck, and that guy's walking back, and the guys in the boat are just screaming, yelling, (laughs) waving their arms. Uh, I get the guy's attention. I say, go get the truck. So he gets the truck and backs it back in. And we didn't see it, but it had split the, the seam at the back of the boat, the aluminum boat. And we didn't see it cause it kind of folded under, uh-huh. but there was probably a 12 inch long slit basically in the aluminum in the back of that boat. And so back on the trailer, it went, well, the boat had so much water in it. The truck couldn't pull it back up the hill. Uh, all four wheels in four-wheel driver just spinning. So they actually had to wait for the boat to pump out. Talk about mad fishermen. <laughs> yeah, everybody's geez. everybody's in line. and the line is, you know, an hour long. and these guys took up a good forty five minutes with their shenanigans. And uh, that is the worst thing I've seen. but um you guys could do a whole episode on that. I would actually, uh, you could call guides and have them all tell one story and patch them together and do a remix for Christmas. I think that'd be fantastic. That would yeah, be that fun. Would be. That would
0: be fun. We, we, you know what, that, that might be something that we pursue. Yeah, I'd like that. So, all right, Jim, uh, um, you know what, we've gone well over an hour and 10 minutes now. So, uh, uh, I, I feel like we got our money's worth out of you. Uh, the check will be in the mail. We appreciate you being on, uh, no, just kidding, man. Uh, but seriously, no, we do, uh, we do appreciate you being on. Um, I don't know. I, I learned a lot about rods there. Uh, learned a lot about boat ramp etiquette there. So, uh, we, well, good. we appreciate it, man.
2: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. You bet. Thanks,
0: See ya. Jim.
1: Bye. And that was Jim Gerard. Always fun to talk with Jim.
0: Well, I I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember, uh, I want to say Toon at one point in time uh, when I when I first met Jim up at that hooked on hard water. I don't remember how exactly that worked either. Jim Jim donated a rod or something like that, but. I want to say McIntune was calling him something like Jiggle, Stip, Jiggle Stick Jimmy or something. There, there, <laughs> there was something that. going on. I, I might have seen a wink in between them. I'm not sure what happened, but what happens in the hills stays in the hills. That's what they've exactly. always said.
1: Uh, that's that's what I've heard. Yep. So. I can I can't wait to use the old ooh. <laughs> on the rod. Yeah, that's right. I, everyone that's right. I try, I'm doing yep. that from now
0: on. That ooh. that was one of the greatest lines I've ever heard, though, that everyone, you know, puts that rod into the jigging position. And like, ooh, <laughs> ooh that feels nice. That, that, that feels that's nice. That's the
1: spot. Yep. I, uh, or maybe next time, I'm just going to make sure, like, I have a reel, some, like, it has some line on it and everything like that and a jig along. And I'm just
0: going <laughs> to put I, that sucker on there in this. Nope, I I double dog dare <laughs> you to come rolling up to these rod builders at the Ice Institute. I'm going to have, like, a briefcase. Yeah, just, just have, like, a little bag along with you and, like, hey, hold on a second. Pull out that, pull out a reel and and string through a little <laughs> little jig and kind of, you know, hold it there like, mm. nah. Cut <laughs> it off, put on a different jig. Yeah, like.
1: Nah, nah. still not nope. there. Getting sorry. closer.
0: Yeah, sorry. Do you know where your competitor's booth is at? <laughs> Oh man, we should do some videos, some YouTube videos. Up. That would be fun. That would be fun. So, uh, no, we appreciate Jim uh, joining us. That was a that was a fun episode. That was one of those episodes that I'm actually going to go back. Uh, I, I've I've gone back and I've listened to the Don Cox episode, yep. and uh, um, but otherwise, very few of the episodes do I ever actually it's go back here. and listen to. Um, you know, I figure well, I lived it, so I don't really need to go and do it. But uh, uh, there, there was a lot of information on that one, and and uh, a little bit more than a guy can just uh, retain in a in a one hour interview. So I, I'm I'm gonna go back and listen to that one. Well, and it, it definitely, if you're interested
1: in building your own rod for the first time or something like that, and don't know where to start, get a hold of them up there. Yep. You know, to get into one of Jim's classes, and you know, help
0: help that learning curve a lot yep i can't believe i got action and power mixed up i mean i can believe it i can believe it uh um but that's yeah. all right and now i now i put it out to the masses you yep, that's all right every there's going to be people probably in nebraska and and in the northern part of minnesota that are probably like oh, what a freaking idiot Dude's
1: got a maybe freaking- you'll get some some hate messages that's like not a bad idea just article. send them
0: over send them over they're going to be like i can't believe this guy's got a fishing podcast don't know the difference between action and power yeah well
1: yeah well <laughs> there's right. a lot of people that would yeah,
0: mix well. those two up. that's why we had jim on the damn yeah, show so that i could learn it i bet i don't <laughs> make that mistake again <laughs> but i don't Bet i don't so all right uh matt uh Good news stories uh, brought to you by our buddies over at Freedom Brew in Larchwood, Iowa. I haven't been over there for a little while, and I'm a little bit disappointed in that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna have to flat out make a trip. You know what? You know what? You know what? What? This Saturday, Saturday morning, it's going down. I'm going over there. Trip? I'm going over there on Saturday morning. It used to be mm-hmm. our Saturday morning deal. I was like say, me you
1: guys go over there quite a bit.
0: Okaboji's kind of biting, you yeah, know. It it's kind of cutting way. into it. You know, it's uh, one of those deals where, uh, you know, w- once we get slate up and moving, uh, uh, you know, you only got you got a very small window with uh, with the two year old that's got my DNA in him. Like, you don't go <laughs> a long time without snacks. And slate has also decided that he likes Freedom Brew coffee. Uh, you damn near got to get him a second one because I ain't sharing. <laughs> I ain't doing it. And Kayla, that little sucker will have half mm-hmm. half a freaking frappe by the time we hit Lester. <laughs> That's just how it works. That's how it works. But you got to let the big dogs eat
1: That's exactly or drink right. coffee,
0: either way. But uh, nope, uh, Austin, uh, Brianna, the crew over there at Freedom Brew, absolutely the best in the business. Um, I think Craigie is actually coming down uh, from Rapid City. Sometime this week, uh, to to look at a project over in Sioux Falls. He kind of mentioned to me that he's gonna make a trip over to Freedom Brew. So uh, if you're gonna be over there in the next day or two, there's a chance you could run into the Craig Euler, Holy bucket slash his tires, make fun of him, tell him he's an idiot.
1: Get <laughs> an mean, autograph. Yeah, Whatever if, you, feel if like. you
0: do if you buy a coffee and you slash Craig's tires, I'll give you free Freedom Brew for the rest of the year. <laughs> That would be I, funny. I'm going over some some, some the son of day. a bitch is gonna hold gonna hold say, up to it an, yeah. now have you seen the price tires <laughs> right. uh, I take that back I take that back that it's a it expired and he that, that deal bill, ex- yeah yeah that deal expired Craig Craig's probably packing I don't think you want to I don't be think you want to mess with tires. that I don't think you want to mess with that he's as mean as Jim Gerard at a boat ramp <laughs> thats right but uh, do you got a do you got a good news story um uh,
1: my good news story is i'm just going to go off of what i've been talking about with my grandpa had surgery uh, he's doing good rehab's going pretty good for him and stuff like that my dad actually to help with his his rehab with his hands and everything like that my dad cut down an old fishing rod and put a bait caster reel on there so grandpa can sit there and reel as he's working on his uh and it's physical therapy so i thought that was pretty cool and pretty neat that my dad did that for him and uh yeah so a little bit of fishing ingenuity can help and it's more than just getting on the water so yep. yeah that'd be mine
0: what uh, you got you know i'm i guess i'm my mine's going to be a simple one but uh this last week uh with fourth of july uh, we spent some time over at Okaboji. um my son grady uh 14 years old Brought along one of his other 14-year-old buddies. And uh, I just, I I was truly kind of blown away with how much time they spent out there on that dock. Just freaking putting in the work, catching fish. And, you know, we, we ran some slip bobbers one of the evenings. And, uh, man, they were just having a freaking hell of a lot of fun. And, yeah, that's good. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, you know, as a parent, you always want your kid to to have the same interests as you do And sometimes that's just not how it works out. You know I mean? Uh, you know, it, maybe someday Tom Brady's kid has no interest in football, but, uh, it is cool when your kids do have interest in what you have interest in and, and you don't have to make them do it. Exactly you don't right. have to make them, you know, it's, it, they, they want to, they'll ask to go and do it. And that's a cool thing. So, uh, um, yeah, like I said, it's a simple one, but, uh, that, that's what I'm going to go with this week. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, we will call that a, uh, we'll call that an episode. Uh, that's episode 178. Uh, um, if you are, uh, if you're not a subscriber, we'd appreciate it if you would be. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, give us a rating, give us a review, whatever, whatever the hell all that entails. Um, uh, it, it helps us out, uh, you know, in I don't know, search engine algorithms or whatever the hell it is, but uh, it helps us out a lot. So if you would, please do. Um, But otherwise, uh, we'll call that episode 178. We'll see you next week on episode 179. Later.